Hey friend, welcome to Self Transformed, a podcast dedicated to transforming your health in less time and guilt-free through the power of habit hacking. I'm your host, Emily Nichols, behavior change specialist, fitness and Whole30 coach, and Taco Tuesday enthusiast. (laughs) Hey, I know the struggle is real when it comes to taking care of you. I too am a working mom who felt physically and emotionally drained, but lacked the time and confidence to actually make myself a priority. Creating habit strategies around my health was the key to help me finally create a consistent, healthy lifestyle that does doesn't feel hard. I'm now on a mission to equip you with those same sustainable habit hacks to help transform your life from the inside out, guilt-free. Together, we will simplify your health into daily habits that don't feel like another thing on your long to-do list, but rather consistent actions that add up to a massive transformation that will stick through all seasons of your life. So if you're ready to have it hack your health and create your own self-transformation, then let's do this. You're listening to episode 174 of Self Transformed. Hey friend, welcome back to the show. I'm so happy you are here. I know I say that like every time, but seriously, I'm so happy you are here. I'm so grateful that you have trusted to listen to my show. I hope you find some motivation and inspiration to take action in regards to your own healthy habits and self-care. And just know if this is your first time listening, pretty much what I do, I'm a fitness professional and a behavior change specialist. And I put them both together, smash them together, and help you create your own sustainable, healthy habit plan just backed by habit strategy. A lot of times we know what to do, but we don't know how to do it because we're so dang busy. Or maybe we have a lot of past experiences where we just haven't been able to make things stick. Been there, done that, that still happens to me. So I hope you find some inspiration today. If you need some further help, join me. The Healthy Habit Reset is coming up the no- November 1st through the 3rd. Sign up at bit.ly slash healthy habit reset. It's linked in the show notes. Over these three days, like I'll seriously just be on the on Zoom or, and Facebook Live. You'll get an email recording. Um, you'll be emailed the recording of the video as well, the video training, 20 minutes or less. Like I know you're busy. Like I'm not going to take up a lot of your time. We'll have a worksheet to go through. You're going to learn my healthy habit formula to help you reset your habits. You'll have a different way of thinking about your health and then thinking about actual tools once you learn the formula, once you think about your health, putting it all together and taking action. I'll have a worksheet to help you take action and go through that. I hope you join me. I'm going to have some big major announcements of some things that are coming through self-transformed. If you've been on a habit hacking call with me or you're part of the texting community, you kind of have gotten some hints because I've talked to a lot of you on these free calls that I do um, once a week. If you want to hop on a free call with me, I have a couple left for November. You can go to bit.ly slash free call with Emily. All this is linked in the show notes for you, my friend. And we can have it hack on a particular challenge you have with your health and how to help you do that like 15 minutes or less it's so fun talking to you all too i love it so much in real life um but let me know if you want to hop on there with that call otherwise join me in the healthy habit reset at the end of three days you're gonna be able to reset your habits 
and do this every quarter, okay? I think it's important to reevaluate our habits every single quarter, and that's what I'm gonna help you do. But we're gonna do it live, because sometimes we need that little extra accountability. So join me. Now, maybe you're listening and you're like, oh, that sounds really great, I would really love to, but you're doubting yourself. You're doubting yourself because of past experiences or past failures, which I'm putting in air quotes, you can't see me, but I'm putting them in air quotes. And we just keep doubting ourselves. And this is a really timely episode. I brought on my friend, Danielle Ireland from Don't Cut Your Own Bangs. I love the name of her show so much. Like literally don't cut your own bangs in real life and honestly ask for help in real life. Don't cut your own bangs in real life, like figuratively, like with your own mental health, for example. But we're talking about self-doubt today. And where that comes from, a lot of times that comes from culture, how we grew up, um, being a female for that matter as well, social media, um, you know, career expectations, past failures. It's just so amplified over time, right? Sometimes we just focus on all of these things and we don't, that are, oh my gosh, can you guys hear my dog snoring? Okay, hang on. And I'm back. Okay, sorry about that. I listened back and you could totally hear Dexter snoring. Real real true professional podcaster right here. <laughs> you know, after podcasting for about three years now, I just let those little things slide because it's real life, you know? And if I start, I've had plenty of doubts. And for me personally, as a podcaster, like, am I doing good enough? Is anyone listening? You know, I track the data, I get the feedback, but I still doubt myself because a lot of times I'm comparing myself to others or I'm sometimes doubting myself because like, man, I should have done this when I was a lot younger. I wish I would have found this passion, you know, like 10 years ago instead of, you know, back in 2015 when I started of my own transformation journey and I wanted to bring on Danielle because she is the expert and I took so many notes from this conversation like it was hard to break it all down but she is the expert she's a therapist she is the host of the don't cut your own bangs show and Danielle really just comes to this episode with like how do I describe it It's such realness and so much practical habits that you can start implementing to overcome self-doubt, but also normalizing it. You know, I think a lot of times we live inside our own little heads thinking no one else doubts themselves like this, but guess what, girlfriend? We all do. We all absolutely do. So Danielle is a therapist. Before she became a a therapist, though, she worked as a professional former and ballroom dancer instructor. So her journey from performer to therapist wasn't really a clearly defined path. I mean, like whose is, right? But rather a sweaty, awkward, and exhilarating process of step, stumble, fear, learn, repeat. She believes that when we see the best in ourselves, we bring out the best in others. I love this so much. She's also the creator of the Unleashing You program, authored a, author of the Treasured Journal, and like I said, host of the podcast, Don't Cut Your Own Bangs, the remedy to comparison and feeling like everyone has it figured out but you. Spoiler alert, we none of us have it figured out. We all doubt ourselves, but Danielle has some really great tips and habits to help you start learning how to use discernment 
and realizing what's true and what's not true. That's something we talked about actually a couple weeks ago in one of our habit hacking episodes. And I want you to go grab a pen and paper. Like I'll pause and wait here for a second. Okay, hang on, wait. Okay, I hope you grabbed your pen and paper. You're gonna take voice notes or um, tapping down some notes in your, your notes because Today is golden. Make sure you stick around to the end of my conversation with Danielle because I will be sharing my three biggest takeaways. I had a really hard time narrowing it down to three to tell you the truth because this is such a broad topic and something I know we all struggle with and I want to normalize talking about self-doubt a little bit more and that we all doubt ourselves sometimes but there are some habits to help you discern through those. Okay, got your pen and paper ready to go? All right, enjoy this conversation with Danielle Ireland of Don't Cut Your Own Bangs. Ooh, and hey gang, just for if there's any kiddo ears nearby, we do use a little bit of explicit language. So we're all adults here, but I know sometimes kids are around. So just a little warning for you. All right, gang, thank you so much for tuning in to Self Transformed again. I am so excited for our guest today, Danielle Ireland of Don't Cut Your Own Bangs is on the show today. Danielle, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so grateful to be here and to share podcasting space with another fellow podcaster and to get to connect with the people that listen to you and get value from all your work. Lovely. I can't wait to dig into this. So the first question I ask every guest is what comes to mind when you hear the phrase self-transformed? What comes from you when you hear that? Hmm. Gosh, do you want a quickie? quick answer or the, <laughs> the, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind when I hear self-transform is it makes me think of, um, in-breath and out-breath. So the in-breath I look at as internal work, the out-breath I look is how we relate to others and how we're all like an amalgamation, a compilation of our relationships and our life experiences. And that's what happens outside in our outer world. And then we breathe in and that's our inner world. Like the inner space we inhabit, our thoughts, our subconscious, our dreams, our hopes, desires, fears, all of those things. And self-transformation makes me think of that in breath, like looking in, taking stock of what's happening internally and trying to help that reflect and match what we want it to look like on the outside. Mm, I love that so much. And funny enough, I'm recording an episode later today, all about some breath in and out breath. And I like that analogy a lot because a lot of times we don't focus on our breath We're a lot of times like, like you're like, Oh, I'm a mouth breather. I'm always like exhaling out. Whereas we really need to focus in on the internal and the external as well. I love mm. that so much. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about you. Can you kind of share a little bit maybe about your own transformation story about what led you into what you do and really just who you are today? Sure. So what got me here and what I do. So the, the short answer of what I do is I work as a therapist and I, yeah, that that's like the shortest, quickest answer, but I, I say that, um, you know, the, the multi hyphenate, I don't know of anyone who really does just one thing anymore. Everyone is their own, like has their, their own mini mogul. So, um, I've also published a journal. So I'm a published self-published author. I have a podcast called don't cut your own bangs. I do a lot of training and workshops within companies and organizations that primarily focus on helping develop and support women. And, but I also do, you know, other other work with other companies around any topic of mental health that they're looking to kind of beef up. So there's public speaking and and training parts of that too. Um, 
but my background. So like what got me here, it was not a straight and narrow path. Um, it was, I just hopped all over the place. I think most of my twenties, what I was looking for was like, I'm looking for that one great blazer and that one job to define me as a person so that I didn't have to do the inner work to figure it out. And what that resulted in was me like hopping around a lot. And it brought up a lot of insecurity and, oh my gosh, like all these stories of, I have no follow through and you can't complete anything and you're not driven enough. And like, you just got to like jackhammer your way into a career and success. And, and I just never found one thing that fit. There was always uh, an, a combination of things. I went to undergraduate school um, in theater and I was doing commercial acting and some modeling pretty much from the time I was 13 to 30. And so I thought I was going to be a performer my plan was to move out to Los Angeles. I had money saved. I had a manager land lined up. I had my car packed and I got out there. And even though it was not my first time in LA, it was like maybe my 15th, the <laughs> buying the one-way ticket brought on this huge wave of, I don't know if it was culture shock, if it was deeper knowing that I just couldn't hear before. Like it was, but I just absolutely like the idea collapsed on itself like a dying star. And I was like, oh, this is not the dream that I want to, to live. Oh God, this is all I've thought about, all I've planned for since I was 13, which of course, when you're, when you're 22, 23, 10 years of your life is half, is almost half your life. It's right. a big deal. I mean, I have a very different perspective on that now, but at the time I was like, my life is over. Right. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm such a failure. I didn't want to be the person with a college degree who lived at home. And of course, and by the way, can I curse on this podcast or no? Go for it. Okay. My ass moved back home and I was like, no, Oh, it was. So I was just swimming in shame for a little while and then stumbled into teaching ballroom dance. And that is what I did professionally. That's how I paid the bills from 22, 23 to 33 when I decided to make the leap for what I do now. And, and in that 10 year dancing journey, I, it was, it was sort of like, there was this little breadcrumb trail that I was following that I didn't really know I was following. Like I would sort of move through experiences and think, gosh, that was really fun. Huh? Oh, well, la 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 onto the next thing. And, and little by little, by little, by little, I started to put a picture together of, oh, this is how I like interacting with people. And this is what it feels like to be of service in a way that also serves me. And this really lights me up and gets me really excited. Or I, I love helping people connect X, Y, or Z. And, or I, I love having these particular types of conversations with people. And, and as that picture started to take more shape, it also happened around the time I got married, I realized, oh, I want to go back to school and I want to become a therapist. And then I had another lesser dramatic, but a similar, oh shit, ever the life I thought I was building is not the life that I want to live anymore moment and uh, went back to grad school. And this is leading to the podcast because as I'm building this new career, doing it completely on blind faith, because the story in my head was no one's going to take you seriously. Mm -hmm. No one's going to want to be your damn client. Like, look at you kid. Like, what are you talking about? Like my internal critic was screaming. And then she was just saying, who do you think you are? What do you think you're trying to do? Who are you trying to fool? Um, and also it, just being a student again with like kids who would come out of undergrad and were going back to grad school. Like I was 33 in the classes with 22 year olds. And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so flash forward, I graduate 
Um, I'm, I'm working at a private practice. Things are starting to happen. And I still just couldn't shake this massive weight of, I don't know how I'm going to do this. How am I going to figure this out? And essentially what the podcast became, or at least certainly what the first like three seasons were for me, we're talking to as many people that I could get my hands on. How did you do this thing that you do? What happened when it didn't work out? Like, when were you terrified? Tell me what it looked like when you made a mistake. Like I, I was, I was really over the before and after story of like, I used to feel like this, but now I'm a this. And I was like, well, that's fucking great for you. But like, what about all the middle stuff? Mm-hmm. And so my podcast was essentially all the middle stuff. And I, it just was like a creative outlet that helped me um, get over the massive, massive fear of starting over. You know what, Danielle, I hear, I feel like I hear this kind of story come up over and over again with a lot of women. You know, my audience is primarily like working moms who kind of Mm -hmm. find themselves like I had to follow this one career path that I thought I had to do and the person I thought I had to be and the whatever. And then like, there's always this like little whisper, like, oh, you're mm-hmm. really good at that. Or you'd hear from other people like, oh, you should do that. Or you could do this. Or, oh, you, you're you just meant for that. And you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep hearing this over and over again. And I hope the women listening, maybe they feel like this too. And they maybe they heal, hear that little whisper. And it's really scary though to actually, like you said, take that action. Like, mm-hmm. but once you do and you see the result of it and how amazing it makes you feel that transformation you have, then you become a little bit more courageous and will do it again. Right. Yes. Well, part of what helped me become courageous was really understanding how my body responds to fear because that helped me, which kind of leads into self doubt. It's like, mm-hmm well, okay, I'm feeling this like tingly, sweaty, chilly panic that I feel right before I'm about to do something. But there's a different type of fear that I experience or I experience it in a different way when it is fear slash excitement slash vulnerability versus when it's fear, like this isn't the right move for me. And I think that, that constant like rinse, repeat, refining, revisiting the feeling until I got clear is the only way I've been able to move through self-doubt. Like there are some decisions that are just a clear yes or a clear no. And there's also a lot of life decisions that are not Mm -hmm. that like spiritual download where you're just handed an answer. I mean, God, if only it could be. (laughs) Yeah. It's not that easy. Well, let's talk a little bit about self-doubt today. It's really, really, really what I wanted to focus on today. I know you're an expert in talking about this, and I really want to be able to give the ladies some tangible habits and action plans that they can start using in real life. But as I was thinking about talking to you today, I thought I thought about my kids. I have two boys that are 14 and 10, and having a teenager and someone that and another little one getting ready to go into middle school, they've always been like these confident, like so like, you know, in stepping into who they are, so like brave, not caring. And, and then as I see like my kids getting older, then I start seeing doubt creep in or insecurities. And I feel like, you know, as, as children, we're, we're not born with self-doubt. We're just, you know, we might have fears or, you know, try something like, oh, I won't do that again. But where do you feel like so much of this self-doubt comes from that starts maybe creeping in around, you know, middle school, teenage years, and then it can just kind of snowball from there? Yeah. Where does self-doubt come from? That is a great 
question. It's kind of like the million dollar question. Right. Um, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's culture. I think it's training. I think gender plays a role and yeah, it's when you were talking about like little kids, it's little kids are, I mean, so I have a daughter that's one and a half, for example. And I think from the moment we come out and we become aware of others, like not like infant newborn so much, but we're looking to our people to reflect back to us what we're feeling before we know what ourselves, because maybe we don't know. Like, it's kind of like when a little kid falls and they look to you like, am I hurt? Should I be hurt? Am I scared? Am I? And that feedback loop, those mirror neurons, that uh, response is so instinctive from the offset of existing. And so if what's being reflected back to you or the person you're turning to, to reflect back, am I okay? Are we okay? Is this safe? Is what's happening good or not? That begin, and it's incredibly natural too, by the way, it's not a weak thing. There's nothing inherently problematic about that. That's just what it is. And as our world broadens, so right with, you know, instinctively, my daughter looks to mom, looks to dad, but her social world is expanding, right? She's in daycare now where she wasn't, you know, in the first four months of her life. And then she's going, her, her world's going to expand to school. And then we have factors like social media that kind of amplify the, the social awareness, social connectedness, self-awareness. And so those all kind of, I don't know if anyone listening, you know, have, you know, has, has ever, you know, played music, recited music, but kind of like a crescendo, right? It, it just, you can just sort of see how it starts off quietly and then it amplifies a little bit more. And so I guess as far as like where self-doubt comes from, I think there's an important distinction to be made between self-assessment and self-doubt. Mm-hmm. So a word, like a therapy word I might use is discernment. So discernment would be okay, well, this is how they're feeling about this, but how do I feel about this? Or this is what they want from me. Does that match what I want for myself or how I want to show up in this relationship as opposed to they don't seem pleased with what I'm doing or they don't seem to want me to do this thing. So I'm just going to buy into that story without checking in at all. And I think there's a lot that can feed into that, but I think so much of that is training. I think so much of that is training and culture because in order to survive, right, we we live in these small little ecosystems and these communities and to fit in is survival. And so evolutionary, like thousands of years ago, that was literal survival. Mm -hmm. And depending on, you know, the level of safety in someone's home or what the conditions of their home are, it can still mean literal safety now. But I think a lot of times what we're talking about or what you're exploring here with your audience is it's more of an emotional safety. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's a really, really, um, you're, it's just sort of like acknowledging the baseline of this is what your brain is always going to look for because consensus means safety. If everyone agrees, we're safe. And so that's a lot of times when, when people say like, oh, I just, you know, I just don't want to have any conflict or like, you know, I would tell someone this, but I'm just, I'm just so avoidant of conflict. And a lot of times when people say conflict, what they really mean is feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that word discernment. And I think a lot of times we don't practice that because exactly. Mm-hmm. It made me think back when my kids were really little and if they would fall, they would look. And over a while I was like, I, w- I remember telling my mom, like, like if they would fall, she'd be like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? And then they would cry. And a lot of times I was like, they're, they're looking for you for your reaction. What is your reaction? So then I'd be like, Oh, are you okay? And they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. As they got older, 
And I feel like even as we grow up into adults, yeah, we are looking for everyone else's reaction and trying not to get uncomfortable. But Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how we can get more comfortable being Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. How can we practice discernment a little bit more? So yeah, there's two great points to that. So how do we, how do we get comfortable being uncomfortable? And then how do we practice discernment? I think the answer to the first one is it's not comfortable. So let it be uncomfortable. And so I think when I just had a session with a client this morning and there's a really, really important conversation she needs to have with her spouse Mm -hmm. that she's been coming to me and talking to me about for almost six months. And the barrier to having the conversation that she knows in her mind and her body and her soul she needs to have, she's not having because the fallout of that potential information being known could lead to her partner being upset or her son being upset and hurt. And until in in her mind, what she's wrestling with is wanting to guarantee like she's, she's essentially not intentionally, not intentionally. And that's not out of weakness. And it's certainly um, there's, it's, it's incredibly natural. It's like, she wants to know that she's got a soft place to land before she does the hard thing. Mm -hmm. And that that and so i guess in terms of like discernment how do you know i think that one i don't know if there if there if there was like a if anyone had a checklist for this it would probably be Brene brown so i, I wish i could you know just dial her in for you and, and we could right. pull her into this conversation <laughs> but i think it's um like a yoga practice or like a meditation practice i think discernment is a practice of checking in with yourself. Every time I think about having this conversation, I feel this lot, this knot in my stomach, this clenching in my throat, this tightening, my palms start to get sweaty. So obviously I'm feeling some tension. Huh? I wonder what that's about. So I'm getting a little curious about my own feelings. And every time I approach, and, and this is just a hypothetical scenario, cause it's on my mind. It could be about any number of things, but I, I, you know, I'm in front of the person that I think I want to talk to. And I don't say the thing sometimes discernment means, okay, I'm getting this feedback. My body's responding in a certain way. I'm in the moment. I don't react. And then what you find out maybe later that evening by not saying the thing, oh, you know what? Maybe I wasn't angry. Maybe I was hungry. Or you know what, man, I'm so glad I, I, I'm so glad I didn't say the thing because now I know in for more information, listening rather than talking and like, oh, okay. Okay. So, and, and that sometimes discernment doesn't always mean jumping into action. It just means paying attention. Mm-hmm. And in this particular client's case, or as in the case with like me six months before starting my podcast, or I wish I could think of a different example. Maybe one will come to me in a, in a few minutes, but I'm feeling this feeling every time I'm exposed to seeing a photo of this, or I overhear someone talking about this, there is a reaction my body is having every single time. And discernment can also mean, and often does, the longer I go without acknowledging whatever this feeling is, the more uncomfortable I'm becoming. Therefore, the next right thing is probably doing something about it or acknowledging it in some capacity. And sometimes acknowledging it doesn't mean like having a serious heart to heart. Sometimes acknowledging it is just, I'm feeling this (laughs) and I don't know what to do with it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times like that, even in my own marriage with my husband, I'm like, I'm looking at a dirty dish and I want to scream and I don't scream. 
and I don't do anything with the dish, but acknowledging that that's what's in my mind sometimes is enough to like bring me to a more manageable place to interact with. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. I think what a lot of women listening struggle with, they're like, okay, I need to practice discernment. I have to be more aware, but I have 20,000 tabs open in mm-hmm. my head for everyone else. If I have to open one more tab and think about, oh, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't, you know, scream at my husband right now for not cleaning that plate and having discernment layer to be like, oh, well, maybe I was feeling this way because of mm-hmm. ABC. How can we kind of drown out that other stuff and listen to that inner voice to ha- allow us to have more discernment when there's so many tabs open? Yes. The tabs. Oh, the tabs. Um, I would be embarrassed to show you my laptop right now. Cause I literally have tons of tabs open cause it's all the things I'm working on, but then all the oh. tabs open in my head too. Like, Oh, girl, don't be embarrassed about that. You're in good company. I've, I've got several. Yes. All the, all yes, the tabs all are tabs. open. Um, if my computer, if I ever need to restart it, God forbid, and it doesn't say restore all tabs, I do have a mini heart palpitation. <laughs> So <laughs> my palms just got like sweaty thinking about that. Like, <laughs> well, so, so where, where I would, um, where I would gently push back with a tip mm-hmm. and I would bring it back to a process is that, um, you were the only one inhabiting your mind. You're the only one ever living in your body. And so ultimately whether it's through conditioning or your own personality the only person who can move you and shift you from a place of confusion to knowing is you. And I, by that, I don't mean don't, I, that's not my way of saying, don't call an expert. Don't call a friend. Don't ask for help. It, what I mean is um, the person who's going to pick up the phone to call a therapist or the person who's going to text the friend and say, girl, I'm drowning in tabs. Like the the initial movement into something new has to start from within. It just, it just has to, no one has ever been dragged to therapy and had successful therapy. No one's ever been like, it's everyone who's ever gotten sober, got sober, right? No one else like, yes, the interventions, yes, the support from friends and family, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's your head on the pillow and it's you walking around in your head trash. And so um, where I would, so then this is where I would acknowledge the truth of that. And then also the truth to what you're asking, which is like, well, where do we begin and how to, what do I do? Um, I, a really non, I'll say like a really non-threatening, really gentle exercise that I love to help work, talk with clients about is window shopping your day, because we sometimes have a clearer sense of what we don't like or what isn't working but we don't really know what to aspire to or what to reach for because we don't actually know what we want because we're so caught up in the doing and the having to do that we're like, well, what the? So if I eliminate my to-do list, what do I do with myself? Which is usually why we turn to wine and Netflix. It's like, it's just this, the space filler. So window shopping your day can, um, and it may be helpful if you're really busy, if you've got a lot going on to maybe even like write on a post-it note in your mirror. So when like you're groggy and you're brushing your teeth, you just say window shop your day. And then it will bring back the memory of this episode, or you can re-listen to this episode if you need to. Um, but window shopping is right. We're not committed to buying anything. We don't really need anything. We're just leisurely strolling through and just seeing what pleases us. And we're just taking a mental stock, a mental inventory of any moment doesn't matter how small, doesn't matter how innocuous, 
the smaller, the better actually, because we think it has to be these big, big moments. And it's, it's not our lives are all it's like, that's why movies are only an hour and 20 minutes. Most of them, because most of life outside of not a lot of our lives aren't like super interesting and gripping. Um, so moving through from brushing your teeth to getting the toast made to getting kids going or whatever, as you're moving through anything that pleases you or lights it lights you up. If you can make a mental note, great. If you can write it down even better. Just start to take stock of what pleases you. And you also will probably start to notice by accident. You don't even have to focus on it just by default. Focusing and massaging with your attention, the things that just light a little bit of joy, feel a little bit like relief, feel a little bit better. Um, Something like, for example, for me, an example I use a lot is like that first sip of coffee Mm. because the coffee is hot. It hasn't sat in my mug and gotten cold. Um, I've been smelling it in the house probably a few moments before I sip it. Like there's so much in that little moment. And this is also not me trying to force gratitude. This is simply looking for the moments in your day that feel good. And then what you'll find, the more you start to play around with this, the more attention you give those things actually creates physiological changes in your body. So where we direct our attention it lights up different chemistry in our body so that when things don't feel good, you'll be more acutely aware. You'll be more in tune with that because your focused state is on looking for things that feel good. But there's also a lot of places you can take or a deeper place you can take that too. So let's say if you're anyone listening to a journal, try this, make a list of all the things on one side of the piece of paper that feel good, as long of a list as you can make. On the other side, Make an equally long list, if you can, you don't have to, of things that you don't like. And then go back to your page one and use descriptive adjectives to describe why it is you like the thing you like. So a first sip of coffee, it's warm, it's safe, it's pleasure, it's blah, 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 right? And you just keep writing those adjectives, writing those adjectives. In time, as you go through this list, what you'll see, there are going to be some common themes. And you you can imagine creating like a word cloud. There'll be words that repeat warm, safe, comfort, community, connection, pleasure, but adventure, energy, joy, whatever it is. And you'll have a lot of great words on that list. Keep them all. They're all beautiful. But like the top three, top four, those are the core desired feelings that probably motivate what lights you up, what helps you feel good, what helps fills your, fills your cup and feel more fulfilled. And if you can do an activity that encompasses most of the things that really light you up, oh, that's good. And then that also helps you get really, really, really clear. Oh, this is why the things that make me feel like shit make me feel crummy Mm -hmm. because it has none of the things or it is the antithesis of the thing. So if I'm motivated by freedom, but I feel trapped when I do this thing, no wonder I have a lump in my stomach. Like it's just from big things to little things. Like I hate carpools because I feel trapped. Ah. It's just, I mean, it's just a little thing I learned through doing this exercise. (laughs) I love that. You know, we always talk about in the community about just figuring, uh, finding out data about yourself. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times you're like, oh, I like this, or I don't like this. Or, you know, we we do like a habit inventory to see like where your time is going. And then we're like, oh, well, now that I know where my time is going, I can stop saying I don't have time because I'm spending an hour and a half a day scrolling, you know, funny (laughs) dog videos on Instagram (laughs) or something. 
um, guilty because I get sucked into like any funny dog videos. Um, so then you can kind of take that data from there and be like, okay, well, what do I want to do with this? How's this make me feel? Do I want to do this? Great. Do I not want to do this? Great. And I love the analogy of window shopping because instantly mm. I felt that sense of, oh, I'm just out having fun. I don't need to buy anything. And if something like totally, you know, like you see some, like if I see like, um, like a jumpsuit, I'm a sucker for mm -hmm. a jumpsuit. I'm like, oh, that brings me joy. I really want to get that. That was the instant feeling I had when I had that. And so I think that's a perfect analogy and a really great habit to incorporate, you know, maybe like you said, at the end of the day, while you're brushing teeth, stack on window mm -hmm. shopping. I'm going to try that tonight. Oh, good. I'm so glad. And yeah, it's like non- non-threatening. Yeah. And I think the less pressure you put on this, the more sensitive you can be to those little things that light you up too, mm. because we are responding to our environment all the time, all the time. It's just, for me, my default is if I'm not connected to what's happening around me, then I'm usually like lost in my head. And that's when I'm more likely to lose things, make mistakes, run late because I'm not in where I actually am. I'm either 10 steps down the road or I'm hyper fixating on something that previously happened that I wish I could redo because I want to rewrite history in my fantasies. <laughs> it's just so, um, yeah, it's a, also a great exercise to help you just be present too, which yeah. feels good. Yeah. I love that so much. Well, and over time, I feel like that self-doubt will maybe start to get a little smaller or you'll learn how mm -hmm. to use discernment moving mm -hmm. forward because you know, what's bringing you joy and what's not. <sighs> I love that so much. One mm -hmm. last, one last thing I want to kind of address, you know, we kind of talked about um, before we hit record that a lot of times in my community, you know, we focus on healthy habits and taking care of ourselves from the inside out really so we can show up for others from the, a full cup, like that analogy we all know and use. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times that self-doubt starts creeping back in or like, I've tried to take care of myself before, but it's never worked or I can't do it because it's not going to be perfect or it's all or nothing. Like it has to be everything, everything. And then we're overwhelmed and don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Right. How can we kind of overcome, you know, the doubt that we have in just our own ability to take care of ourselves and lose that guilt around it? Mm, yes. Doubt in our ability. So whenever, um, and I can speak for myself, but also for other clients. When, whenever I really see or sense someone doubting their ability, that makes me think of confirmation bias, which is always rooted in shame and always, well, forgive me, mm -hmm. that that level of doubt is always rooted in shame and fear. Confirmation bias is there's a hypothesis I have, and I'm only looking at the evidence that proves this thought true or that proves this hypothesis true. And I'm ignoring all evidence to the contrary. Mm -hmm. And that, that is actually a really normal phenomenon. It's something that like scientists and researchers have to like do their best to become aware of and call out all the time. Cause it's just so easy to fall in that habit. And so with myself, when it comes to my ability to change or my capacity to learn something new or try something new, my fear is popping in in the form of doubt, usually to protect me from feeling like I'm inferior or incapable. Like my fear is trying to protect me from feeling, you know, like a kid falling flat on my face in the cafeteria. It's like, and then, and then your mind just gets flooded with experiences or moments of heartbreak or times when you put yourself out there and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. But what we also 
don't acknowledge. And this is, I think, especially true to women and mothers. It's like, sometimes I don't say this in session, but because this isn't a session and I can say it, on, I want to be like, bitch, look at all of the shit you get done every damn day. Yeah. Look at it. It's yeah. like, I just want to shake someone in the most loving way and be like, you can do anything. Oh <laughs> you, the viewers can't see this, but I'm actually like shaking yeah. pretend shoulders. Yeah. I'm like, you, you got some, like the schedules, the schedule, like, cause I'm, again, I'm still a mother of like a baby toddler child, mm-hmm. not like a kid in activities yet. And I'm like, how, how the juggling the scheduling, wow. I do, that is like, I'm starting to sweat thinking about it, honestly. Mm-hmm. But when I'm like, you are only looking at the examples of like one time someone told you you weren't good at drawing or those two people that told you that you weren't as fast at math as they were. Therefore, you can't handle your own budgeting and accounting. Like you have one pain, painful, and that's the important point. You have one painful memory that you've built this part of your whole identity on, and you're ignoring everything about that, that could not be true. Um, and so, and this isn't about deluding ourselves. Like I never want to encourage toxic positivity or self-delusion. It's like, it, it, it would be, if I were working with a client, say who, who was facing something like this, I would say, you know, you're only being your persecution. Now let's bring in the defense. And I want you to tell me how, what you're telling me right now is not true. Mm-hmm. And that always, that always stumps. It's always like, what? But I just told you it is. And it's like, okay, well, so th- this is a good maybe process or a series of questions you could ask yourself if you're again, looking for like an easier exercise than um, calling a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. So an easier exercise might be, so you ask yourself, you know, based on this belief, like, yeah, I can't start working out because of blank, 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 blank. Um, and I'm using working out. Cause I think you've mentioned like health and fitness mm-hmm. a few times. So you're like, well, I'm not good at running or I'm not going to, or I have this like injury that's reoccurring. And every time I do this, it pops like, so you have like a story about why you can't start something. Okay. Well, do you believe, is this true? Is what you're telling me true? Well, yeah, of course it is. Okay. Is it absolutely true in the sense that if a million dollars were on the line for you to figure out how to do this thing, do you think it's possible? I'm not saying that it is possible, but I'm just asking you, is it potentially possible million dollars on the line or like saving a baby's life, right? You really have to make the stakes dramatic. Is that possible for you to try? Well, I mean, and then there's usually like an eye roll, like, well, I mean, yeah, I guess if you put it like that, maybe it's possible. So you're like, okay, okay. So there's like a, there's like a crack. There's a slight crack. There's a slight crack in your story. And then how do you react when you believe this thought you're telling yourself? What is your response? What's your, well, okay. If I tell myself I can't work out and I try to work out, I probably wake up late, hit snooze several times. Um, like there's all of these like self-destructive behaviors that start to, or self-sabotaging behaviors that maybe start to present, or I get grumpy or I get this, or I get critical of people who are like posting photos of them working out. I'm like, well, of course they've got time to work out because they don't have blank, 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 blank that I've got going on. Like all of this stuff comes rearing its ugly head. And then you ask, okay, who would you be without that thought? So what, what would your reality look like if you didn't have that thought that you're not this? And you just start like, well, gosh, if I didn't have that story, what, what would I do? And I don't think that there's, that's not a guarantee to something, sure. but it, it, 
it helps you approach this challenging limiting belief in a non-threatening way. Yeah. Because no one wants to hear you're wrong or no one wants to hear that that's not right because it feels true. It feels right. And it's, so you're not really challenging it or debunking it. You're simply getting curious about it. I call it compassionate curiosity. You're just like, huh, well, this is this thought in my head. And then if it's true, do you want it to be true? Mm. Because if you don't want it to be true, well, then gosh, that's something to look at too. Yeah. It's kind of like you have this thought and and, and in a way you're kind of like, okay, prove it. Mm -hmm. Prove it. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> right, right. So, like, if oh, you go back, well, then, then, then there's doubt about the self-limiting belief you had, then, right? Ooh, yes. That's mm-hmm. that's a, maybe a good place to apply some doubt. Apply, yeah. Doubt. If you can doubt yourself and your abilities, then you should also be able to doubt your uh, limiting beliefs. Exactly. Just, mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and like you said, it's definitely worth exploring and kind of feeling like feeling yourself out to be like, well, what, what would motivate me to do this and why? And not someone just being like, oh, because you can. <laughs> like, no, like, why would I really want to do this? And having a deeper meaning behind anything that you're wanting to maybe start that maybe you've had not the best experience with in the past. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, you have that um, feeling of um, past failures. And I put failures in quotes because it's all just part of the journey. But, you know, like you said, sometimes you have these things that kind of add up over time that you start mm-hmm. to believe and then you just have to debunk yourself. You have to debunk yourself and prove it to yourself in other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and maybe let yourself be uncomfortable. Yeah, I worked out for the first time today in six weeks. And my reason... My reason five and a half weeks ago was because my daughter was sick. And then my reason five weeks ago was because my husband was sick. And so I needed help with my daughter more. And then my reason four weeks ago was because then I got there cold. Mm -hmm. And then my reason three weeks ago, it's like, well, my body's still recovering from the cold and I don't want to push it. Mm -hmm. And then my reason two weeks ago, I was like, well, I've been out of it for so long. And like, I just have so much work to catch. So it's like, I had so many reasons. And finally today I was like, are you tired of your own? are you tired of your own crap right now? Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. go. <laughs> and, so, and so I just acknowledge, oh yeah, this is, this is probably going to hurt because you haven't done it in a minute, but I did it. So yeah. yeah. And that's okay. And the more you build up that habit over time of just being like, okay, calling yourself on your own crap, like <laughs> you just said, like the more you be like, okay, I'll go do the thing I was mm-hmm. telling myself. I couldn't go do, or I didn't want to do and really using that discernment with it. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. And I could just keep talking to you forever, but I want to be respectful of your time. Where can everyone find you? Love the name of your show. Don't, don't cut your own bangs. Like literally like and figuratively don't like get some help. (laughs) If you want to trim up your bangs, but also if you need some help in real life, where can everyone connect with you, Danielle? I love that. IRL in real life. You can connect with me. um, Yes. At DanielleIreland.com. So my journal, my podcast and all the great ways to connect with me are just, that's just like a short, easy way. It's all there. Um, I'm also really active on Instagram. So if anyone is on Instagram, like I don't tweet, I'm not on the Twitter, um, but I'm occasionally on Facebook and I'm on Instagram a lot. So that's like another really active way to engage with content for free. Um, I also have a mailing list. Like if people want once a week or once every two weeks to get some tip on, you know, supporting their mental, emotional health. That's another great resource too. Um, but yeah, the podcast is great. The website's great. And also it was just lovely sharing space here. So 
however people would like to connect or not, I totally, I support. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I'll make sure to include links in the show notes so folks can go find you, find the journal. Maybe they can use it to window shop their day at the end. Yeah. I love that so much. Daniel, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate it today. Whoa. This was so good, you guys. I love this conversation with Danielle so much. Everything Danielle Ireland is linked in the show notes for you, so make sure to go listen to her show, connect with her as well. So many practical tips here. I wanted to break it down to my three biggest takeaways for you. Let's talk about it. So let's talk about number one, discernment. I love that word as well, you know, a self-assessment. Discernment, like Danielle mentioned, is a practice of checking in with yourself, okay? Checking in with yourself. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. Sometimes that's uncomfortable to live in your feelings and discern maybe what your body was telling you about what you were feeling, maybe mentally or emotionally. And it's paying attention to yourself, Paying attention to your own body's feedback. Maybe you're getting like rumbly in your tumbly because you are like super nervous about something or you're getting sweaty palms or you feel like getting flushed because you're getting mad about something. But the longer you go without acknowledging the feeling, the more uncomfortable that feeling feels and the bigger it gets over time. Just acknowledge the feeling. Like Danielle mentioned, you know, it might be something small where you're like, oh, I was actually hungry. I actually wasn't really mad if you sit back and just listen rather than just word vomiting. A lot of times, Danielle mentioned, sometimes there's a lot of head trash in our heads, which, oh my gosh, I I wrote that down like two different times when I was listening back to our conversation because I'm like, yes, there's so many things just, you know, trashing up our minds that we're telling ourselves or that we're feeling and holding on to and it's festering. And if we're not going into it with discernment, be like, man, well, this week, you know, I was really irritable, but I honestly wasn't sleeping really well all week. Maybe that could be why this was happening. You know, you're taking that discernment instead of letting those feelings fester into like major self-doubt over time, you're able to discern it and move forward from there. Number two, I really like this. Like she said, some tough love. You are the only one inhabiting your mind and living in your body. So it really starts with you. So you can ask for help, but that decision, that action has to start with you. I loved the habit she mentioned of window shopping your day. I love this. Taking a mental inventory of what made you feel good. The small things. I love the actual habit of putting it on your mirror, maybe just writing on a post-it habit or not habit inventory, window shopping your day, window shopping your day, you know, kind of using that analogy of actually window shopping, you know, you're walking around thinking about, oh, this makes me feel good. Oh, eh, that's not like for me. And using that discernment, window shopping your your own day and thinking about what felt good to you. You could do this even at the end of the day while you're brushing your teeth. You'll end up being more in tune with what works for you and what doesn't, what pleases you, what doesn't. And just no pressure, just being more sensitive to these things that light you up over time will help eliminate that self-doubt. And then lastly, if, I love this question. We talked about this a couple weeks ago on a Habit Hack Thursday episode. We talked about the statement, is this true? 
A lot of times we have the the self-doubt creeping up or these not so nice thoughts that we're saying to ourselves, those self-limiting beliefs, if you will. And we talked about a couple weeks ago asking the question, well, is this true? Is this true? I was actually on a habit hacking call with someone and we were talking about this as a question to start habit stacking into their lives when they had certain feelings creeping in about a certain situation. And it's such a powerful thing to ask yourself. But Danielle took it a step further and saying, well, is this true if a million dollars is on the line or someone's life? Do you think you could even try? Do you think you could try if something was on the line? Is that so true that you couldn't try if this wasn't on the line? Like, who would you be without that thought or story about yourself if you thought about it? Who would you be? How would you thrive and flourish? Like she mentioned, it's just compassionate curiosity about yourself. And as like I said, that might feel a little uncomfortable. The more you practice these habits, the more comfortable it will be. Now, that's not to say self-doubt won't ever creep back in again. Oh, it will. Trust me. But call yourself out. Stop being tired, like get get tired of, of your own crap, like Danielle mentioned, okay? Just call yourself out. Call yourself out. Ask yourself if this is true, and if you're like, yeah, I guess it is. Well, is it really true? Like if a million dollars was on the line, you're like, eh, okay, I guess not. Like really call yourself out on this, okay? I want you to go back and listen to this episode next time you feel that self-doubt creeping in using these actionable items that Danielle mentioned us mentioned to us today. I hope you found today useful. I personally found it useful because self-doubt still does creep in for me. And I love these habits so much. I'm going to keep window shopping my day. I love that so much. Friend, if you want to connect with Danielle, I have everything linked in the show notes for you. Danielle, thank you so much again, my friend, for coming on the show. I love this conversation so very much. Friends, I would love to have you join me in the Healthy Habit Reset November 1st through the 3rd. Link in the show notes there for you as well to sign up. You don't want to miss it. You're going to be able to reset your healthy habits using a really simple strategy, not a very overwhelming um, method. It's super simple. We're going to redefine your health. We're going to use some tools to take action. And there's some major, major bonuses and announcements happening there. Okay. Send you a big hug. Know that it is okay to sometimes doubt yourself, but I don't want you to get stuck there. I want you to know that you are powerful and call yourself out. Call yourself out. Use these habits and tips Danielle shared with us today and let me know how you transform. All right, friend, I'll catch up with you later this week. Hey girl, real quick before you go, if you want some free motivation texted to you every week from me to help you habit hack your health, send me your favorite emoji to 773-904-2157 and sign up for my weekly pump up text. I can't wait to catch up with you there. Hey, and if you love the podcast, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a rating and review in iTunes. That way more mamas can also find the show. Then you can even email me a screenshot of your review and I'll send you either a Starbucks gift card or give you a free habit hacking call with me live on the podcast. Love and appreciate you, friend. I'll see you next time.